Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area, and today with me is only... Only Anya Crittenton, an associate editor for The Tracking Board. Unfortunately, HT is not here with us this week. It's been a while since we've been together, the three of us. Yes, it has, and it's still going to be a little bit next week, hopefully. So... Wait, that we'll be back together next week, or yeah. we're going to be sep- Okay, okay, I thought you were, like, no. hinting at something ominous No, gosh, no, I'm hinting at hope. Which is, <laughs> yes, uh, hope, which is what we should always have. And that brings us nicely into our episode today, because today, Willoughby and I are going to boldly go where no podcasters have gone before. Except they have. Although, I'm sure they have. <laughs> uh, yeah. We haven't, though. We have not. We've never gone here before. We've n- we have not boldly gone. No, uh, so for those of you who might not know, but I'm sure you do, today we are going to be talking about Star Trek, yes. which is a franchise that both Willoughby and I love and think is great. Um, the newest movie from the franchise, Star Trek Beyond, came out a couple weeks ago. Willoughby and I have since both seen it. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it that's... twice. Oh, well, <laughs> okay. I've only seen it once. Uh, but that's where we're going to start our discussion today. Yes. So, Willoughby, what are your overall thoughts? I really liked the new movie. Um, it was directed by Justin Lin. It was written. It was co-written by Simon Pegg and Doug Young. Is that how you say? I believe so. Uh, and so the two of them wrote the the draft that is so much better than the uh, Alex Kurtzman and Robert, Ro- Roberto Orsi movies. Oh my um, god. I go Although, to be fair, I love the first the one. First I love the I really like the first one, and I think it has to do a lot more with J.J. Abrams, though. Um, Agreed. Because if you think of it, the Inch of Darkness is not good. A mess. It's not good. Uh, but Star Trek Beyond, I really loved it because it felt like an original series episode. Which is what everyone's saying. Which is what everyone's saying, and it's kind of cliche to say it at this point, but I really think that's But it's true. A- it's I true. mean, it's things accurate. become cliches for a reason. Yeah, and like, you know, it's an away mission gone bad, which is a classic episode of every Star Trek. Um, and I really liked uh, basically the witty banter that these guys have, like, formulated over the past seven years now. Um, you can really tell that this is a crew that has gone through, you know, not the motions, but they, they definitely know what to do at a moment's notice when, like, all hell breaks loose. So, like, at a... Um, when Kirk encounters the bad guys for the first time, like, they immediately know what to do. They know they go to Red Alert, they got weapons fired, like, and when things go sour, they know exactly what to do, what Bones and McCoy have to do. Not Bones and You mean Bones and Spock. Bones and Spock, you know, they are immediately into the turbo lift, you know, guns ready. Um, so, like, they, they're like a well-oiled machine at this point. And it makes sense because they're about three years into their five-year journey, and they're even, I think they they were a crew together for even longer before that because the first movie takes place before the five-year journey and so does the second movie. Um, so I think overall, I think it's supposed to be like four or five years they've been crew, a crew together. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, I think that's the thing with the new movies is that like whatever people say about the new movies, criticisms or praise or otherwise, they have a really good cast. Yeah. Like the cast for the main crew is top-notch. Yeah. And they all really work well together. Very much so. And it's it's more apparent in this film than the other two combined. And I think just ha- that just has to do with time and mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, they know they've known each other. You know, in the first movie they probably only knew each other six months before the movie premiered and you know, or more than that, obviously. Um, but like they didn't really know each other and now it's been seven years. So like they're yeah. they're 
not only are they a well-oiled crew, but they're a well-oiled cast. So yeah, um, um, I completely agree. I think this film was very much like an original series episode. It was a lot of fun. I liked the pairing off of the different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the new characters for the most part were great. Jayla was really fun. I hope she'll be in the fourth movie. She was really fun. Um, yeah, she was great. Um, it just felt fun. I know people were worried about Justin Lin making this movie too fast and too furious. Ha ha ha. Um, although I don't think he directed the second one, but uh, Fast and Furious. No, he directed Tokyo Drift. Yeah, um, um, and they were worried about that. And, like, there were elements of Fast and Furious, but I think, like, for the most part, he made it work. Right. Well, the thing is, the elements that he took from Fast and Furious are the the, idea, the notion of family. Um, yeah. And they substituted the word family in this movie for the word crew. Um, and, you know, it Kirk's mission this entire film was to save his crew, to get them all together and to get them off this planet. And I think that, you know, that's kind of very, uh, you know, it's very based around what Fast and Furious has done recently with their whole notion of family, with Vin Diesel and Paul Walker and Ludacris and uh, Tyrese Gibson, like, all the whole crew, like, they're a family, and this is a a family, too, even though they didn't really say it. Um, So, and I I agree with you, I really liked the different pairings. I thought having uh, Scotty and J-Law together was really fun, because they're kind of, like, total opposites when it comes to, like, personality. Yeah. Because, like, Scotty, even though he's, like, really funny, he's also, like, kind of, like, really reserved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got uh, Hulu, not Hulu, Sulu and Uhura. Combine those names. Hulu. Uh, Sulu and Uhura, um, they were captured by the bad guy, and they are trying to escape along with other crew members. And uh, Spock and Bones are crash-landed somewhere, and they need to get, you know, back to their crew. And Kirk and Chekhov... Um, it was really interesting to see Kirk and Chekhov because in the old movies you don't really see that, um, mm-hmm. especially no 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 one on one, just uh, kind of Kirk you know telling Chekhov what to do a lot with probably someone else in the background, but they've <coughs> never had like conversations before, not to, not to my knowledge very much. Yeah, no, no, not. I mean, it's not a typical pairing. Um, I feel like the most typical pairing probably in the movie was Spock and Bones. Oh, definitely. They're part of the trio and they have the differing personalities and. Um, it was really great for me because Bones is easily my favorite character, and Carl Urban, who played him, gave an interview saying that he wasn't sure he was going to do this film mm. because he he basically thought Bones didn't really have enough substance in the past two films, and he didn't want that to happen again. Like, he wanted to have, like, a solid, like, good role for Bones, mm-hmm. um, and he talked to Justin Lin and Simon Pegg and stuff, and they kind of talked about it, and... Obviously, it worked. Um, I think Bones does have a really good role in the film, um, and clearly Carl Urban was happy with it because he came back. Thank goodness, because he's a great Bones. Oh, yeah, he's terrific. Um, but I loved seeing both his, like, very deep friendship and bond with Kirk. Um, forever, a lot of people like the whole Kirk and Spock, like, differing personalities and, like, first officer and captain and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know. For me, I think the Kirk and Bones friendship is... I think my favorite, and I think it's the most special, at least to me. So I liked having seeing them have their moments together. And then, of course, Bones and Spock is always hilarious. Mm-hmm. So I thought Bones was really great, and he's my favorite. So I was very pleased with that. Nice. My favorite character is definitely Kirk. Um, so I really like that he did like his standard like captain's log at the beginning, which yeah. we we never we haven't seen that. Like they always kind of teased it or uh, subverted it in the movies in the 
the JJ movies. So this is it was really interesting that they opened up on like there was a cold open with him like on a on a peace mission, and then it cuts to him doing like a classic captain's log, start date you know twenty two forty four whatever. Um, and I really liked how it was kind of like it was the beginning of an episode, and it was him kind of almost going through the motions of being captain three years into the mission. Um, and I really like the shot of the different all just his outfit, just like. And it and like the fact all the gold all the gold uniforms and he said like things have been getting a little episodic and I was like that's a nice like some people were like oh I'm like that was nice because it's kind of like you know it's a reference to the to the, the fact that they were a TV show um, yeah and I really want that mug that he had which it was like the really minimalist Starfleet um, mug I'm trying to remember I think I know what you're talking about yeah. yeah it was like basically just three lines and it made it, you can definitely tell that it was the Starfleet insignia yeah. Um, but, you know, I really liked all the little special touches that they were putting in. The fact that, you know, the crew actually knows each other and they're, like, hooking up behind the scenes. Like, that was always kind of, that was fun. <laughs> that was a funny little sequence, yeah. Yeah, like, it was just kind of, you know, this that's how, a, like, a group of, a large group of people three years into deep space would be how they would be acting. So, um, it also is really funny to see Chekhov as, like, a flirt. Like, every... I know. He was flirting with like every every woman that he can get his like i mean good for you Chekhov. yeah it was just funny you do you yeah and rest in peace anton check anton yelchin it was it was a little tough seeing him mm-hmm. like because it's we you watch him and like you almost forget that he's not with us anymore yeah and then you remember and you're like what yeah um um so it's a little tough and speaking of those of us who those of them who are no longer with us. Uh, I really liked how they dealt with Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, me too. Um, I won't go into the spoilers, but there was a moment at the end of the film where I openly weeped um, because of a moment with, yeah, with old Spock, but not, yeah. I think you know what I'm talking about. I do. Yeah. It's a good moment. It's a good moment. And I was like, oh, because, like, the, Undisco- the Undiscovered Country is my favorite of the older movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, that was... It was a touching moment for me. Yeah. So we liked it <clears throat> a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of fun, a lot of good character moments and beats. Um, it was paced nicely. Um, however, I think we both agree that the villain was... I don't know if I want to say lacking. I mean, Idris Elba is a great actor, and I think he put a lot into this character that a lesser actor would not have done. Yeah, and, like, it, it definitely starts off him being, like, a, like a classic, like, one-dimensional villain. And we get to learn more about him. I think they kind of cut a little too quickly to the, to the plot twist, I guess, um, with, like, once they... Like, how they get to it seemed a little bit... A little, uh, I guess, wonky. Um, yeah. And the whole—I mean, I like it, and like, I think his motivation was a little much, like a, yeah. a little, like a little too hard to like understand. Because I, st- you know, you start thinking about it, and it just gets a little—you kind of unravel it. Yeah. So I tried not to think about it. I try to let, try to let it be what it is. Um, I, I think they tried to do something different, and I think that it it worked for maybe 60% of the, of the time mm-hmm. and I think 40% of it was kind of like 
well, I can see where you're going with it, but it's at the same time, it's I'm trying to wrap my head around this, and I don't know. Um, but seeing it a second time uh, helped and also hurt because you can kind of tell where, you know, foreshadowing, but also a lack of foreshadowing, you know, where you where they kind of just play him as a, as a straight-up villain with no no secret background or anything. Yeah. Um, so, but otherwise, like, I, I liked, I liked the idea that, uh, that kind of parallels that, that happened with Kirk and the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, they might have been a little bit too forced with the dialogue, but I liked it nonetheless. So, inter- it, interesting. My problems with the villain are different. Hmm. What are your problems? Um, alright, so, uh, for those of you who have not seen the film, spoilers. <laughs> So we're going to, I'm going to go there. I can't not if I'm going to talk about this. So like, it's going to be quick. So for the next minute or two, just don't listen. Um, so my problem is that there's a scene at the end where Kirk is trying to open the valves and he's on the last one and he's having trouble and he can't open it. Yeah. And they're floating in like the zero gravity and like a piece of a shard of glass goes by the villain's face and he looks at himself and there's this moment where he sees himself and it's the most human he's been in years and blah, blah, blah. And it's setting up this perfect moment for him to be like, oh my God, I'm human. And to go help Kirk. And to go help Kirk. That's what I thought was going to happen. But instead, he doesn't help Kirk. He commits to being a villain, which is fine. However, if they were going to go that direction, I feel like they shouldn't have had that moment with the shard of glass because... Or at least they should have done it differently if he was like, oh, I'm more human than I ever have before. But, like, fuck that. Like, yeah. I'm still going to be a villain. But instead, like, I remember watching that scene and I was like, oh, he's going to help Kirk. He's going to, like, redeem himself, but then he's going to die. But it's going to be a redemption death. Blah, blah, blah. And then it wasn't. Yeah. And so that was my big problem. I was, like, he was a little thin, but, like, it was fine. I could accept it. Idris Elba's great. But, like, that moment was totally threw me yeah I, and really like kind of i was like wait what i noticed that moment too and i just thought that it, it, it was a bait and switch on the on the filmmaker's part where they but were, not done very well but it wasn't done very well and i but then that's the thing is i noticed it wasn't done very well but i, I noticed what they were doing um, yeah and i think that i under, i understand completely that that could have been either it could have it could have either done yeah committed to the redemption or committed to the the villain part, and I think that they kind of mm-hmm. wavered on that. It's it, yeah. it's almost like they weren't entirely sure what they wanted to do either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I totally agree with you on that. But my problems are more with, and if we're still in spoilers, um, my problems are with the fact that I'm trying to wrap my head around how did he become an alien? I'm pretty sure it's because he was using the machines and he was using aliens' DNA to become... Well, yeah, and he was taking that, like, immortality stuff, which maybe altered him. And that's what I'm thinking of, is altering his DNA. And then I'm then I'm, I'm wrapping my head around was his first officer that that other dude too and then where did they get where did they get this language from and why is it why is he called crawl and not like some other like like a bastardized version of his name so yeah there's a lot of like weird things that like back backstory stuff that i'm trying to wrap my head around but i can't get to but that that's like my only problem is it like how did he be get how did he go from being captain of a starship to being crawl yeah, it, it's definitely a little thin, probably one of the thinnest of, like, because obviously Benedict Cumberbatch's con is the worst. Um, they weren't even but, trying for that. I'm no, glad at least his with this one they were trying. But his is pretty, it's like, as great as he is, a little thin. I mean, nothing is ever going to beat Eric Bana for me. <laughs> that was the, that, he was so good. 
he was I remember when that movie came out and like the thing to do would to be to like talk like him what's his name again uh Nero Nero and he was like hi Christopher I'm Nero <laughs> oh, yeah. hi Christopher I'm Nero like what is Eric Bana even doing like what direction did JJ give him like just, he's like just just be wild it was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was a truly cinematic art. <laughs> Eric Bana's Nero. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. I love it forever. Yeah, um, and I really, I really like that first film. It was good. I really, I like. I, it was. It's definitely up there as like top favorite films of, of like the first decade of the twenty first century. Because um, it's a great film. Like I, it was one of the movies I bought on like iTunes, or at least mm-hmm. I had like a digital copy of it, so I put it onto my iPod. And it'd be one of the movies that I would listen, that I would watch during like my study halls, because we were allowed to like listen to music. So what I would do nice. is I would just I had like an iPod Classic, and I put Star Trek onto it, and I would just watch it. So like in thirty minute periods over the over the course of like a week, um, I I did that along with Pirates of the Caribbean and one of the, uh, Iron Man. Those are the three nice. movies. Um, Very nice. So so third film is done. Uh, crew is together. They're gonna go back out for more adventures and we know that chris hemsworth will be back for the fourth film yes kirk's dad what do you think about this do you think it's just gonna be flashbacks do you think there's gonna be some timeline stuff well from the press release that they gave it definitely seemed like there's time travel um and i find that very funny that the fourth film in this franchise is also a time travel movie as yes. was the fourth film in the original series cast voyage home is the best the voyage home is a classic movie um, so I'm, but it's not going to be like they're going back in time to our time, like they did in, the, in that movie. They, it seems either that Kirk and crew go back to Kelvin time, or they go, or, and this is what I'm thinking more it is more likely. Uh, at at the last moment bef- before George Kirk dies, uh, Captain Kirk goes back and saves him and brings him into his timeline, and then they have to have like a father son like awkward like moment like the movie is them trying to reconcile the fact that they don't know each other uh interesting uh even though in like a in the prime timeline they did know each other it'll be interesting to see chris hemsworth because like when he did the first star trek he was so green and no one knew him and now everyone's gonna know him and recognize him and so he won't like there was something about chris hemsworth as kirk's dad in the first film where like since you didn't know him and he just looked so like I don't want to say bland. Well, but he, like, looked, he was just so he looked, like he looked like Chris Pine. He lo- he was bit, yeah, he was he supposed like, to look uh, like his father. I mean, really, he looked like a Ken doll. Well, yeah, but like I think <laughs> I can def- I definitely remember seeing the first movie, thinking, "Oh, that's definitely Kirk's dad." Like he looks like he looks like Chris Pine. Yeah, and so it's interesting now that we're going to be both in the same room together, and it's going to be like you know, it's, well, it's going to be weird. I'm wondering if he will still look like Chris Pine though, because now he's so much Chris Hemsworth. Well, I think that he can still look like Chris Pine. I mean, Chris Hem. He he can look like he did in two thousand nine because you saw Ghost. You saw Ghostbusters. So true. So he can definitely have the, like he has the clean shaven look and the and the the short haircut. So he can definitely still do that. But, I think it'll just. I, oh, you're, I think are you talking more about less... the, the like the muscles, like the fact that he's like super? No, buff? I think it's like the hair. Obviously, they can get back. Like you can cut hair, you can style hair. That's fine. I think it's more the fact that like. Chris Hemsworth's face now is so recognizable and uh, so, like, just blatantly Chris Hemsworth, whereas in 2009, we had no idea who he was. Right. 
he wasn't Chris Hemsworth playing Kirk's dad. He was Kirk's dad. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to be Chris Hemsworth playing Kirk's dad. Mm-hmm. That's true. I give you Which that. Which will be interesting for me. My big thing is they better also bring back Jennifer Morrison. I hope they do. Which is why I kind of hope because, that... Because, girl. Yeah. I love her. I hope it's more of Kirk and crew go back in time instead of pulling Chris Hemsworth out of time. Um, so I hope that, you know, it'd be interesting if it's like the Enterprise goes back to like right before Kirk's death or something or like you know they ha- they have to have some mission where they can't really because like the thing is like there's Starfleet going back in time to a, par- a period where Starfleet still exists yeah so that's that that can get they have to be like they have to hide the fact that they're Starfleet which was really easy to do in in a voyage home because they could mm-hmm. just disregard all their clothes and they did they hid the bird of prey underwater or whatever they kept it or they kept it in orbit or cloaked some something um, so, like, it was really easy for them not to be, like, Starfleet, but, like, the fact that there's, they'd be, and, and this is just a possibility that there's Starfleet going back in time to a, a period where Starfleet still exists, they have to be, like, whoa! Yeah, do we know anything about, like, if Justin Lin's coming back, or if Simon Pegg's gonna keep writing, or... I don't think we know that yet, I think we know, I think it's being written, uh, I think we actually know who the writers are, I don't know, off the top of my head, I don't think it's Simon Pegg. Okay. Um... I think that I know that J.J. Abrams said that this was his favorite story so far, the fourth one. Okay. So th- I think that might be a hint that he might come back, but I don't know. Um, I kind of hope. I mean, I really like. Obviously, we we know he's a great director. I hope it's not him coming back with Alex Kurtzman and Roberta Orsi. Although I don't mm-hmm. even think they're a duo anymore. It doesn't seem like they're doing things together anymore. Um, I know that Kurtzman is doing. Star Trek Discovery, which we can talk about too, um, the one with R- Brian Fuller. Brian Fuller. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to talk about that. Um, but I don't think Roberto Orsi. One of them is part of it, not both. Um, but either way, uh, they've definitely kind of gone away from that trio of people of JJ Orsi and Kurtzman. So I'm on IMDb, and it's saying that Patrick McKay and John D. Payne are writing. Okay, I don't know the who I, I don't know who they are. Neither do I. I also don't know if this is like accurate. If they they might mean they might bring people in to rewrite. Yeah. Um. But either way, I'm excited for it. I think that the third movie does end on a good note. Like, yeah, there are more adventures to happen, but at the same time, it's kind of it kind of almost had like a final feel to it. Um, but like the final feel in that they can st- like they still have two more years left on their uh journey which i do find it funny that this is the they are three years into their journey which is as far as the original series got um on tv yes and then the i think the animated series was the last two years or something um but i just find it I, i wonder if they did that on purpose where they were like we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put this right into the part where like they themselves was as far as they got maybe maybe i don't know it was just something i noticed that was like oh star trek only had three seasons and there were three years into the the third the five-year mission so it could be Mm -hmm. um but i'm excited for it i think it's gonna be good i think we're getting back on track with the star trek films again i think so too which is nice um and plus we're and we're getting more star trek on tv which is exciting yes and you mentioned that so 
Brian Fuller is doing a new Star Trek series. Willoughby, why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? So it's CBS All Access, which is their online streaming service. Well, the pilot will be on CBS. The pilot will be on CBS. And then the rest the, will be on. The rest of the TV show will be on demand only. Uh, and it's, uh, we only know a little bit. We know the title is now Star Trek Discovery. We learned that at Comic-Con. Um, we know that the ship is the NCC 1031 Starship Discovery. Um, and that we don't really know anything else. Uh, we know that Nicholas, Mile, My, Nicholas Meyer, who directed Star Trek The Wrath of Khan and Star Trek Undisco- Undiscovered Country, does have a producing role. Um, a couple of the people from Bad Robot are, are helping out producing this. Brian Fuller is a co-showrunner because um, he also is dealing with American Gods and like a ton of different projects. So it makes sense that he's like the the fit, uh, kind of like the the public face of it. But I feel like there's other like people doing stuff too. Um, and we don't really know much else about like the crew or even what timeline it takes place in or even where it takes place in. Um, the fact that it's NCC ten thirty one gives me hope that it takes place in the original series timeline. Yes. Um, because the NCC 1701. So, um, and it, it's been pointed out that in the next generation, the newer ships that weren't the Enterprise had a much longer call night, um, serial name. So they, they were more than four numbers. Um, and the ship looks, uh, extremely similar to a, uh, concept art ship from the motion picture okay um so it's they're definitely using um they kind of do what star wars does where they take concept art that not that was not used um and then they use it for something else entirely um and for this they're using it for this uh ship and it kind of looks like it has the saucer but then it also has like this weird body that doesn't look anything like we've seen before on a starship okay um and that, uh, uh, otherwise, we we do know that they are fully aware, fully aware of Star Trek's progressiveness, and that they're going to fully um, go for that. Um, well, also it's Brian Fuller and Brian Fuller, but I think that that combi- perfect. that combination of Brian Fuller and Star Trek is going to give a very great show. Um, yeah, because I mean Brian Fuller is all about hope and diverse cast and real characters representing the real world um and i think he's just a great fit yeah and i'm very excited i'm i'm curious honestly less about the content and more about the cbs all access part yeah i don't really and whether or not it'll get more subscriptions or if people will more go for illegally streaming it that's the thing is i am not sure because like cbs all access is not like HBO Go, where if you have a CBS, if you have like a Comcast account or like a Dish Network account, it's not included in the service. Not that which is different than like HBO or Stars, where if you have a premium cable subscription that goes with your Comcast or something, you get those that extra stuff for free. Um, I think also there's that, but there's also like. I feel like CBS is not a channel people would want sort of access to their streaming services. Like, I feel like 
are people going to get it just for Star Trek? Or are they going to say, well, it's not worth it because I only want Star Trek. I don't want all this other stuff. So I'm just going to stream it instead. I think that's the case is that CBS, there's not many shows that people will, that, like, a lot of CBS shows are not uh, on Hulu. And the ones that are are usually ones that have already, or, or the ones that are on Netflix and Hulu are usually the ones that have already been, like, canceled or had their mm-hmm. their run is over so like how i met your mother was cvs but it's on netflix uh elementary is on hulu um and they only do they don't do like day after episodes they just wait for the season to be over and then they release it um so like that's what's hulu and cvs that's like their partnership but like with cvs all access you get all of that right away so it's kind of very it, in the in the same vein of like hbo go or something where you can get you know the day after you get the new episodes. But the thing is, like, I guess CBS is the most watched network on TV, but I'm wondering, like, who is watching? Because, as we know, we get the Big Bang Theory is also on CBS. Um, CBS is, like, the middle-aged people channel. Yeah, and it, and it's the middle-aged people channel and the people in the comedy channel for people who don't really like comedy. <laughs> I'm trying to think, I feel like I only watch Elementary. Mm-hmm. I think that might be the only CBS show I watch, and that's because Elementary is brilliant mm-hmm. and more people need to watch it well, and it's better than Sherlock. The only show I was watching was Supergirl and now that's on CW. So Oh right, Supergirl. I also watch Supergirl. But yeah, yeah. now it's on CW. Now so. it's on CW. So there's no reason for me to ever watch CBS except for when Star Trek premieres. And when you catch up with Elementary. True. I have four seasons watch to Elementary, I have really. four seasons to go through. Okay, but it's so good. I know, I know. Um, it's so uh, much better than Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I'm just yeah. That, it's kind of like with Yahoo Screen and Community. Um, even though there was no sub- subscription to that, Yahoo Screen was bankrupted by Community. Yeah. Um, and that I hope that doesn't happen to Star Trek and CBS because it seems like they're like everyone. A lot of people know about CBS All Access because they advertise it a lot. But, and if you go to their website to watch, like, a clip from Colbert, like, they show that all the time. But, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not, I don't know anybody who has a CBS All Access subscription. And I'm just wondering if, like, I'm thinking my plan might honestly be wait for the whole show to be out and then get a 30-day free trial and then binge watch it. Because I don't really want to pay for a, a subscription Look that at I... that loophole you found. I don't really want to pay for a subscription that I know I'm only going to watch one, one TV show for it. Exactly. And if it's nine ninety nine a month for one TV show, uh, I don't really see the worth in that. Um, Unless friends all get one account and they all share it and yeah, but I mean split the cost. That could happen, uh, but it's still like I mean I'm excited for the TV show. Don't get me wrong, I definitely want to watch it. But I'm just wondering if you know if it's as good as I hope it to be, then I'll pay for it. But yeah. I might just wait for the 30-day free trial. I definitely do have a lot of hope, because Star Trek and Brian Fuller, and I'm excited for a new Star Trek. I think it'll be really fun and exciting, and I anything Brian Fuller touches is gold, so. Yeah, and I, uh, I'm excited. I, you know, I tell my my dad's a huge Star Trek fan. He's, he's an original series, original fan, um, and he, uh, when I told him about the new Star Trek, he got pretty excited for it, so, because, like, he's, you know, Star Trek is 50 years old, and the last time a TV show was on air was 15 years ago with Star Trek Enterprise. Um, 
and that was that was an okay show it had its weird you know moments but i think overall like it was a it had a good a good run i mean i know know the serious finale is very um uh controversial um but the overall run of the show i liked it um i like all the enterprise based shows uh Mm -hmm. original series and next generation and enterprise yeah um so i'm excited for more star trek tv as well uh it's gonna be fun um so what do you what do you think about star trek in general like in in its place in society like we have cell phones because of star trek let's be real i love star trek um I'm off a little biased. I forget. I, I've told the story of my parents on here before, right? Yes. Okay. Right. I'll remind people for people who forget or don't know or didn't listen to that episode, but my parents met at a Star Trek convention. That's how they met for the very first time. So it's a bit in my blood, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, but I really like Star Trek. I mean, I guess the thing about Star Trek is that where Star Wars, to me, is more fantasy, Star Trek is, like, very sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um... And I mean, I love it for all the cheesy reasons that everyone should love it. It's about hope. Um, it has diversity. It's, you know, about humanity coming together with other species and exploring for exploration's sake. Mm-hmm. The strange um, new worlds and everything. Whatnot. Yeah, it's everything that Gene Roddenberry, like, wanted it to be. And, like, I totally get it. And I find it very endearing and genuine. And I love everything that Star Trek like represents mm-hmm. what about you uh same <laughs> but also uh i really love the uh just the fun entertainment part of it too the stories that they get to tell because it um what i love about science fiction is that you can tell stories that are relevant to humanity edit in like in the present time but then if you tell like a future uh story like how like star trek as it is it all takes mm-hmm. place in the future um, you know, you kind of puts a mirror to our own humanity in our own in our own way, and each Star Trek series has kind of done that in its in its own fashion. Um, mm-hmm. And you can tell that when when the world was kind of like at its most fear based, which would probably be the '60s because of the Cold War. Uh, Star Trek showed how humanity can come together to sh- to um, explore strange new worlds. Yeah. To seek out new life and new civilizations. Um, and, you know, they had just a great cast of people on that on that bridge of the Starship Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, that kind of has set the uh, tone for, ev- for every Star Trek series after that. Um, and it was interesting how the next generation kind of went a little bit darker when they got involved with, like, the Borg how Mm -hmm. technology can kind of like overtake us and stuff Um, yeah and that i i don't really i haven't seen much of voyager and i've seen very little of deep space nine um but i can that what i've seen it still seems to like you know have that same um emphasis on hope that uh the original series had yeah and enterprise too enterprise was all about basically like if if star trek the next if Star Trek the original series and all that was about the final frontier then Enterprise was about the first voyage of the final frontier yeah because it seems like yeah. there hadn't been like in the in the timeline of Enterprise 
um, there hadn't been many deep space missions yet that yeah, were that, that were not warp enabled. Enterprise is interesting. I don't think it's nearly as bad as some people make it out to be. No, I like it a um, lot. But I definitely think there are some elements to it that are a little. I mean, you know, not great. Yeah. It it has some weird moments. Um, I find that, especially with like the relationships. I guess. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, it seemed a little unnecessarily sexy. Yeah, that, well, I think that was the whole UPN of it all because it wasn't like on like a network. It was yeah. it was syndicated on UPN, so it was very much like um, it was very much more like PG thirteen. Her also, do you remember the theme song? Yes, it was terrible. <laughs> and how three years in they switched to like the instrumental version of it. <laughs> That theme song, though. But it's very... It, it goes along with what the... It was very much in line with the show, but it was still, like, a weird theme and song. And the fact that they reference it in the 2009 Star Trek film. Do they? They rent, they um, they um mention Archer's dog. Oh, yeah, they mention Archer's dog, yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, it's canon that Starship... That Star Trek Enterprise exists in yeah. that world. So, it's... And the, what um, this dog is named is Porthos, right? Uh, yeah. Named um, the Musketeer. And, like, Kirk has that line about, like, I know that dog. Yeah, he's like, I know that dog. Um, and that uh, the USS Franklin is an NX uh, ship uh, along the lines of the NX-01 Enterprise. So mm-hmm. it's from that same era. And if you look at the design of the Franklin in Star Trek Beyond, it very much looks like the NX-01 from Enterprise. Yeah. Um, a little bit different. But it's still like in that same vein. Although the uniforms that they show in the flashbacks on the radio, on the TV, um, that keeps looping the same video, uh, they're different uh, uniforms. But still, mm-hmm. um, it was, it's I, yeah. interesting how that works. How there's still elements of the prime timeline that they can mm-hmm. flash back to, but you know, they're, we're we're in I guess New Trek, the uh, JJ timeline that I like to say. Um, so they. Uh, it's interesting how Enterprise kind of still is influential on Star on Star Trek as a whole. Um, yeah, because it takes place in the past, which is still our future. Yes. Um, what do you think of I... like the like the movies where they go back in time to like our time, or or even like uh, Star Trek: The First Contact, where they go back to still in our future, but their past, where humanity isn't quite as evolved as as they are. Like, what do you think? Which one is First Contact? Is that the one with the Borg? That's the one when the Borg goes back in time and changes the past. I can't remember. Um, I, I can't remember all the TNG movies very well. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, I remember the original series movies more. Um, and at least in that regard, especially with, like, The Voyage Home, like, it is quite kitschy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very, like, ah, yes, like, humanity. Right. Like, look how, look at these, they still swear in the back, in the, in the, <laughs> It is a little silly and kitschy. Um, it's cute, and I like it. Um, I I do find it interesting. Um, like in Star Trek Beyond, when they call the song at the end, they're like, "Is this classical?" Oh yeah, that was hilarious. Some people really don't like that part. I love it. I love. I think that whole moment. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think that sometimes Star Trek, um, it, when it's not as good as we want it to be, it can be a little preachy. I think, um, but it, it's few and far between, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that 
you have to find a right balance between like like what we talked about earlier with like holding up a mirror to much in present day humanity to then all to, but then also be preachy about it and i feel like star trek at its best is you don't notice it you don't notice or you notice it but you notice it in like a good way um mm-hmm. and then like sometimes uh it gets it's a little on the nose with their like look how good we can be but I really yeah. like that part. Like I like. I, I mean, like, I do too. And I you like, and I are very. Yeah, like I like humanity being good, but sometimes like the writing of it can be a little bit better. Yeah, and you and I definitely love that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, like I like having a franchise that paints humanity positively, even with sometimes cheesy writing. Like, mm-hmm. I'd rather have shows about hope with cheesy writing than. Nothing then, but gritty. Then, then good shows with no hope. Yes. Like AMC's current slot of TV shows. Oh, God. Wait, but, like, I don't even know if we can call them good shows. Yeah, that's the thing is, since Breaking Bad was over, there hasn't been a lot of good anti-hero TV shows. And that's the because... thing. That's what I love about Star Trek, is that they don't have the anti-hero be the hero. It's yeah. all good guys all the time, and I love that. Like, Same. Even though, like, yes, they, they come across quandaries and moral dilemmas um but they work it out as humans do they're not like man back in my time when i was a a bad guy we did this but now i'm a good guy so i'm gonna do this but break a little bones at the same time like yeah we don't see that and i'm I'm glad we don't bless i'm glad that and and even uh chris bynes kirk in uh star trek beyond is the most classic kirk i think we've ever seen Mm -hmm. him be you know he doesn't he doesn't do the womanizing thing that a lot of people have uh, criticized um, Chris Pine's Kirk for being, which um, is a, a, a big fault in his character. Because if you look at the original series, Kirk, yeah, he like made out with a ton of people, but like he was never a womanizer. Like that was never mm-hmm. the case. Like he 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 has fallen in love several times, uh, specifically with uh, my my favorite TV show episode of all time, The City on the Edge of Forever, with uh, Edith Keeler. Everyone loves that. It's, I mean, I mean yeah. it's like undisputed best. But it's it's a great moment to show that like Kirk isn't a womanizer. He is a romantic. Yeah, and it's weird. I don't really. I get the criticisms of Chris Pine's Kirk, but mm-hmm. I also I don't. I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. To be honest. Yeah. I think. I just. Def- I view it less as womanizing and more as being a young man who's comfortable in his sexuality, mm-hmm. which I don't really see anything wrong with. I mean, right. like, Ahura is, you know, has, like, she's, she just clashes with him just right off the bat. Um, but I don't know, like, I never really see... I don't really see him quite as, as bad as other people I think have seen him before. I think there are moments in the in the first two movies where he kind of like where like there's some moments where he's at the at the academy and he, or he's or at Starfleet and like the two women walk by. He's like, "Ladies," he's like, "What's up?" Um, and like those are moments that people point out. Yeah. Um, and that the part where in Into Darkness he's like in bed with two women, which is totally cool, uh, but it's just like. They didn't need to show that scene. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to be in bed. With, with Honestly, those. 
don't ask me about Star Trek Into Darkness oh, because yeah. I literally don't remember anything. Like, I remember nothing about that film. So, like, <laughs> if there are, like, bad womanizing moments in that film, I will just trust you because I don't remember that film at all because it's a blur because it was so bad. I'm mostly, I remember the 2009 film and Star Trek Beyond. <laughs> Which is what you should remember because Into so, Darkness is all terrible. So, yeah. but I just know that people always kind of <clears throat> complain that Kirk's character was a little off in the first two movies. Mm-hmm. But I think that this movie really, he really nails it. And yeah. the writing really nails it. Like, he's not... He's, like, what we want Captain Kirk to be. Yeah. Um, which I'm glad. Um, and that's what I want humanity to be, you know? Agreed. That's why Star Trek is so great. It's just... I, I'm just... Hope is powerful. Mm-hmm. And I, I will freely admit to being a bit of a sap or naive or an optimist or whatever, but, like, I think... Hope is great, and I think Star Trek does it really well. Yeah, and I think that they do a really good job of 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 positing that with like friendship and family, like you can overcome anything, including Agreed. the power of music, and I like along with the power <coughs> of music. So I really like that uh, Star Trek still continues to be about friendship and whatnot to this day, fifty years later so great and like it's still here star trek ha- is a franchise that hasn't i mean it's had you know it's had obviously like periods of not really having any new mm-hmm. content but like it's it's been going strong yeah i mean like there was the original series in the 60s and then the animated series in like the 70s and then um the reruns were was really what got people really liking it and and the first movie came out two years after Star Wars in 1979, and then from 1979 to 1991, they had the original series movies, and then from there they had the Star Trek Next Generation going from 1987 to 1994, um, and that dovetailed with Deep Space Nine, which also dovetailed with Star Trek Voyager, so at some point there was like three TV shows going on at the same time. Uh, and then in 2001, we got Enterprise. Um, after Enterprise, there were no more movies um, until 2009. And now we're back into this um, franchise of movies. Uh, and then we're getting a new TV show. Um, the comic books have always kind of been going on. Uh, I don't really wa- read the comic books or the or the novels themselves. Mm-hmm. No, but, neither. Yeah, but, I don't either. But they've been kind of there. And plus, Star Trek is you know, reruns and on sci-fi and BBC America all the time. And all five TV shows are on Netflix right now and Hulu. So, and all the movies are too. So like, it's definitely not going to go away anytime soon. And I love that. Me too. It's, we need something like this. It's a, it's a good franchise to have. Yeah. Like you can just watch it. It's like comfort food. Cause you're like, humanity is so good. It is. It is. Humanity is good. Mm-hmm. I genuinely believe that. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that I have something that also still believes in that. And I think there was a line in Star Trek Beyond where Kirk says, "Better to die saving lives than to live by ta- than to live taking them." Yes. And I think that that is a perfect thesis for how we should be living our lives. And just a great Star Trek line. And yeah, totally. Like I hope. It's- I hope the writers, when they were writing that, they, like, high-fived each other after that, because that's, like, a great line. Agreed. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So. Anything else to talk about? I 
I think I'm pretty happy. What about you? I'm good. We love Star Trek. We love humanity. We love the fact that and they the new are, movie is great. The new movie is great. We're excited for Star Trek Discovery. We are. Yeah, we are. So let's move on to our last segment of our episode. I really, really, really like you. But I need to tell you something. Willoughby. Yes. What do you really like this week? I have been gone for the past two weeks, so I have uh, one thing that I w- was reading two weeks ago um, that I finished about a week ago. Um, American Gods by Neil Yay! Gaiman. Uh, I really loved this book. I've been wanting to read it for over a year now, and I finally just sat down, bought the book, and I just read it for a week straight. And I really love it so much. And you guys have talked about it before on the show um, with, like, the fact that it's very, like, episodic with, like, little adventures throughout the book that ultimately lead to a larger story. And I think that that perfectly sums up the the book itself. Um, I loved all the characters. I loved the imagery. I loved how Americana it is. I yes. loved all of it. I loved, like, I just want to go out with a car and just drive to all these roadside attractions and just like feel feel the american gods like <laughs> around me you know like i think that that was a great it was just such a great book and how and like it posited so many great things um about america and immigrants and uh what we bring in our baggage and whatnot i'm just smiling so much i'm so glad you liked it <laughs> yeah and i'm so excited for the tv show you have no idea. Like, oh my god! Oh, I think I have a little bit of an idea. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that TV show. It's going to be so great. It's going to be, like, it, lo- like, it looks, it looks so good already. Like, with the teasers that we saw at Comic-Con. Yeah. I'm very excited. I'm so glad you liked it. Yeah. I'm so Yay! glad I liked it, too. <laughs> you need to read Good Omens. It is on my dad's Kindle. Yeah. Read it. It's another great Neil Gaiman book with Terry Pratchett, of course. Mm-hmm. I've got so many books to read on you. I know. Although I know. I've, don't we all? I, I don't have, we all? I've actually read more books this year than I have in the past. I read Star Wars Bloodline, uh, Star Wars oh, oh, Kenobi, um, Lost Stars, which is another... Star- I read, I've read a lot of Star Wars books this year. Of course. Um, I've also read um, Ready Player One, and mm-hmm. I've, I read uh, Glenn Weldon's Batman book. The Cape Crusade. Yep. And I read um, Nick Offerman's uh, book, uh, Paddling Your Own Canoe. Nice. And there was one more that I read. Uh, oh, I just finished reading Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Excellent. Yeah. Look so, at you. Yeah, like I'm, and I've still got more books to read. I've got the Hamilton biography. I've got the Teddy Roosevelt Taft book to finish. Um, so I've got, I've got, a, I've got a good list. Reading is great. Yes. Awesome. Well, that's a good really like. Yes. All right. So for me, um, it's The Little Prince. The Netflix movie? The new movie movie on Netflix. Yes. Um, So a bit of a backstory. I adore this book very much. Um, I read it for the first time in French when I was learning French in high school. That's what I did too. Um, Yeah. And it's one of my... I love it. It's such a beautiful book. Um... And so when I heard they were making a new animated movie, I was very excited. And then Paramount pulled out of its theatrical release at, like, the last minute. Yeah, like, literally, like, a week before. 
I was so upset. Um, luckily, Netflix, our one and only, swooped in to be the savior, uh, got the rights to Little Prince, and it came out on Friday. And I watched it, and I cried a lot. <laughs> Understandable, I knew I was going to. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just really lovely. It's um, Little Prince is definitely not enough material to make a whole film, and so they have like an original story in this movie. Right, it kind, um, of, and, it kind of frames the movie in, in this device, right? Yeah, yeah. And, like, some critics have been a little critical of this original story, and I get it. It's quite cookie-cutter, a little saccharine, um, but it works for me. Mm -hmm. um, I think because, as I said previously, I'm a sap, so, like, that works for me. But also, like, the original story, as kind of predictable as it is, really works as a love letter to the original Little Prince story. Like, that's what it is. It's it's just a way to kind of admire the original story mm -hmm. and to just say how much they love it. And, like, that works for me because I also love it and I'm a sucker for things like that. And so I really fell for it. The third act is a little messy. Um, and can you explain the differences in animation? Because I know that, like, the, the story that, that it presents at first face value is different animation than the actual story of the yeah Prince. yeah the um so the 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 original story about the little girl um voiced by Mackenzie Foy um and she meets the aviator who's voiced by Jeff Bridges so like everything that takes place kind of just in that original storyline is all just regular like CG animation mm -hmm. um the story of the little prince himself is done in stop motion oh cool yeah it's it's stunning the animation the stop motion is breathtaking um so I really loved it. I mean, it hit all the right kind of emotional beats for me. And, like, my heart was kind of... I was, like, I was... I went into the film very open to it and expecting to love it. And so, like, I think I was the exact audience for it. Mm -hmm. um, I think this film works really well for adults who love the original story. Yes. Um, and are open to kind of being a little more sentimental. Uh, so I really love it, and I'm very grateful to thank to Netflix for saving it. Great. So yeah, you should definitely check it out. I will, especially because you've read it, so yes. you you know it. I had to do beautiful. it. I had to do an essay on it in my high school French class. Yay. I know it very well. <laughs> yes, it's a beautiful story. So I'm really liking that this week. Great. Well, that is our episode for the week, guys. If you have any thoughts on Star Trek. American Gods, The Little Prince, definitely come chat us, chat with us, hit us up, that stuff. <laughs> we'll Slide into our DMs, do... you know. <laughs> hey, Will be where can they do that? Uh, you can find us on Facebook uh, at the Millennial Falcon, uh, on Twitter, we're at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. You can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play. Check us out both there. And where can they find you, Anya? You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. Alright, all right, that's our episode. Hopefully all three of, three of us will be back together next week. Yep. We're looking forward to it and we will talk to you guys then. Bye! Bye! Bye.